0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I'm Brian Fields, and with me is my guy, Kellen Finney. And this week we've got a very special guest, best-selling author, Lauren Wilson. Lauren, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Cannabis through food. For those inspired chefs at home who wanna get a little bit into experience into the fuse, what's the simplest way to try the experience without being fearful of overdosing themselves? <laughs>
1: I love that you brought that up because in fact the, the 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 title of my forthcoming cannabis cookbook which I still intend to do is edibles aren't scary. I think that cooking with cannabis can be really easy, really accessible, really approachable. I personally um as a person who utilizes CBD, I make all my own CBD oils and really it's that's kind of a great entry point for people. Infusing an in oil is an easy process. You don't even necessarily need expensive or specialized equipment. There's some great extractors out there in the market. Um, yeah, I think that cooking with cannabis can be as simple or complicated as you want to make it. And as long as you're kind of mindful as to dosages and, and, and paying attention to the math and that, it's, it's as simple as that really.
0: So I want to kind of pick at that because I'm curious, right? Like for those who are a little more experienced with cooking with cannabis, they're probably a little more keen to trying a little more. So how do you kind of figure that out? How would you kind of put us on the the basis for, for starting successfully?
1: That's a great question. I think there's a couple of different approaches. One is you can add the cannabinoids. In, you can have a, an infused salad dressing or something, let's say, where a person can kind of decide, you you tell them, okay, in a, in a teaspoon, there's about five milligrams or what have you. And then people can kind of decide for themselves how much they want to add. And you can incrementally add, whereas opposed, you know, with a cooked item or a baked item where it's baked in there and whatever is in there is in there, that's kind of a less flexible way of doing it. And then as far, I mean, the dosages question is a, is a huge question and it varies so widely for people, right? I mean, a f- 10 milligrams for some folks is quite a lot and for some folks is nothing at all.
0: What is, let's say, a recommended meal if someone wanted to try and they said, hey, Lauren, like I'm, I'm hosting my, my friends, they're they into cannabis, but they've never tried an infused meal. What can I make to, <laughs> to experience this?
1: That is a really impossible question to answer only because- the, you know, I mean, it really depends on, do you want to have a theme for your meal? So maybe you want to do, you know, like a Hawaiian themed meal, for example. Um, do you, what is your level of cooking ability and expertise, right? There's a whole, Same. there's a whole lot of ways to tackle that question. Um, but if you're, if you yourself are inexperienced with cannabis cooking, um, I would say, you know, start with it, like, again, infused oils to me are just such an accessible point to start with, with cooking. Do an infused oil and think about how you could use that over the course of a meal.
0: As a self-proclaimed cannabis nerd, what is one area or one topic that most outside the cannabis industry wouldn't know?
1: You know, that's a great question. I think that, I mean, as two people who are very steeped in the cannabis space, no pun intended, I think it sometimes it can be hard to kind of get your head out of that space and realize like how much you know, you know, that being said- um, I often, as a writer, I'm an, I'm a writer who thinks about audience first all the time. And one thing that always really tickles me is how many people don't know about the endocannabinoid system and that it exists.
0: Doctors here, let's say in New York, if you ask your, your primary care doctor about the ECS system, do you think like five out of 10 would know, eight out of 10 would know? What do you think there?
1: I think that if I were to guesstimate, you know, at New York, how many physicians are well-versed on the uh, endocannabinoid system, I it's certainly not the majority. Yeah.
0: It's so sad. It's so sad. So continuing on that, right? For CBD 101, one of your books, for those who are intrigued, but unsure when to take CBD, what would you recommend?
1: That's a great question. And I think that it really depends. Uh, With cannabinoids, we have something called this biphasic effect, right? So at one dose, you might experience this. At a higher dose, you might experience the opposite or something different. And with CBD, that can happen. So- you know, folks, I would say probably the number one reason that CBD, that folks take CBD is to help with sleep and pain, probably. Um, That being said, it seems from what I understand, and again, you know, there could be new research that that contradicts this, but the the mechanism that helps people sleep with CBD is not sedation, right? It's helping them relax. And so it's not going to make you sleepy per se, That being said, for me personally, if I take a lower, for me, dose of CBD, it has a very alerting effect. And that is something that some people experience. So if you're new to CBD, I would say start in the morning and see what happens.
0: Any new cannabinoids on the block that make you interested or excited?
1: There's been so much research that has been done. That being said, there's so much research that needs to be done, you know? And so I think that, The discoveries that lay ahead are going to be really interesting, especially when you talk about, you know, the entourage effect. That's an area that we don't have a lot of support for, that, you know, some people will be yay or nay as to whether or not it's a real thing that's happening. I personally think that there's something to it. And I think that once we dig in with scientific research, we're going to find some interesting things. And then as far as the cannabinoids themselves go, you know, I'm excited about all of them. I know that's not a great answer. And I think that I can't really point to one versus the other because we're at such early stages. I think we really need more research to really kind of dig into these minor cannabinoids. Um, But certainly that doesn't, mean that, you know, that doesn't, like, my my scientifically, like, rigorous and, and pure approach to, like, okay, what does the data show is very different than what happens on the consumer level where people are just very excited about different compounds and experimenting with them, experimenting with them and whatnot. So, yeah.
0: Keeping on that topic, O seeing a lot of news out there about it, and obviously, with cannabinoids being popular and new ones rising, is THCO the next new popular cannabinoid?
1: Well, it might be the next new popular cannabinoid. Um, I personally myself have not consumed it. I can't speak to, you know, the effects or the experience. I have heard that it is very potent. Is it psychoactive? Yes. It is, it is psychoactive. Um, I mean, I don't want to be a, a word nerd stickler about it. Uh, but, you know, CBD is, is technically psychoactive. Psychoactive meaning that it just, you know, creates an effect in your brain. It has some impact. The popularity of THCO, I guess, remains to be seen. You know, when I think think about THCO in kind of the same broad umbrella as Delta-8, as these other, you know, if you want to call them semi-synthetic compounds that are kind of popping up. And, you know, THCO might be a really valuable, useful compound, whether it be for a fun experience or helping, you know, treat a condition. Same with Delta-8, you know the the trouble is that these compounds operate in kind of a legal gray area.
0: Lauren, since you've been in the cannabinoid industry, what has been the biggest misconception?
1: I think that is that, you know, cannabis is an addictive. And and you know, the the fact is that you that you can. And it's something that, you know, is a hard topic of conversation for people who love the plant and want to see it proliferate and I am one of those people, but I think that like you said, As an industry, we need to have hard conversations. We need to be transparent, whether we're talking about semi-synthetic cannabinoids or we're talking about the wide range of effects that cannabis has in our bodies.
0: If you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would it be?
1: Ask questions, be curious. Keep asking questions, keep being curious. There's a lot to know about the cannabis family. And the more questions you ask, the more delighted you'll be, honestly.
0: It's 2025. Is the psychedelic and cannabinoid industry working in harmony or against each other?
1: I'm my gut, like I'm an idealistic human being. And my initial thought was they're working together because why wouldn't they?
0: So Lauren, for our listeners that want to get in touch, where can they learn more?
1: They can check out my website, Lauren M as in monkeywilson.com. Or you can find me on socials at Lauren Does This.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Lauren. We'll link them up in the show notes.
1: Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, you too.